Welcome to the Heart of Dating Podcast. Hey, it's Kate. I'm so glad you could join us this week as we try to untangle the ever so ambiguous world of dating as a Christian. Over here on Heart of Dating, we get real as we answer some tough questions and uncover transformative ways to approach Christian dating. Oh, and you better believe we have some laughs along the way, because last time I checked, the struggle is hashtag real. You know what I'm saying? Now, let's get to the heart of the matter. Hey, friends, you're listening to the Heart of Dating podcast today, and I'm your host, Kate Warman. You guys, we are doing something a little different right now. We are actually flashing it back to some of our very top episodes over the last two years on Heart of Dating that also have to relate with this current global pandemic season. So today's special Heart of Dating Select episode is bringing back our conversation with Brittany Moses all around dating anxiety. Brittany Moses is a Los Angeles native passionate about seeing this generation live wholeheartedly with purpose. While pursuing clinical psychology, she leverages her platform to reduce stigma, educate, and assist with helpful information on mental health, especially for those in the church. Brittany is also a certified recovery support group facilitator with NAMI, the National Alliance on Mental Illness. Still, her favorite part of life is being called mom to her sweet son, Austin. And you guys, she knows her stuff and is really passionate about this topic. She also has a really beautiful story of redemption and working through her own issues of anxiety and codependency, things like that. So you guys, if you've ever felt dating anxiety or felt bogged down by fears in your mind about dating, or if you've ever struggled with codependency, then... I'm just going to go ahead and say you're going to love this episode today. I also especially think that we have just been through a massive loss and together we are grieving as an entire country and world with the coronavirus. So we are in ways even that much more susceptible to anxiety in relationships. So I really think you're going to enjoy this episode. And also, friends, if you didn't already know this, just two weeks ago, we launched our Drop the Hanky digital dating platform. You guys, this platform is featuring videos of Christian single men from around the world. We want to encourage you to not give up on dating, even in this time of social distancing. So if you are a single woman and you want to meet some amazing single guys, and if you are open to where they're located, then go ahead and join us by going to bit.ly forward slash drop the hanky. You can pay a yearly fee of $9. That is it. And you can be a part of this program. And guess what? This week we are launching extra guys on the platform for the start of May. So we're super excited about that. Now, conversely, if you're a single dude, or if you know a single dude, we want to invite you to nominate that person or nominate yourself as a single guy. You can do that by going to bit.ly forward slash single dude. Now, I know this takes a lot of courage for the guys, but I promise you, you don't have to be a famous director or videographer to be able to create a personality video. The guys on the platform currently, they also don't really know how to do videos, so just give it a shot, do your best, have fun with it, and you never know what may happen. We actually have tons of people meeting, going on digital dates right now. It is really cool. So love or budding love and relationship is surely in the air. Now, of course, remember this too. Right now, there may not yet be guys in your area, but we are adding new guys all the time. And that's why we want to encourage you to nominate guys in your area because you never know who then that guy might nominate. Okay. And just invite your friends. This is going to be a lot of fun and we can't wait to see what's going to happen with this program. So again, go Go to bit.ly forward slash drop the hanky. All right, guys, now to today's episode with Brittany Moses. Are you ready? I'm ready. <laughs> the rolling of that R was amazing, I know. Brittany. Just, <laughs> just fiercely starting yes. this podcast. Okay, welcome, Brittany Moses, Hello. to Heart of Dating. <laughs> I'm so happy you're here, girl. I'm so happy to be here. I can't wait for our conversation today. It's going to be good. I've been looking forward to this, honestly. I know. Just knowing about what we're talking about and getting this quality time together. Yes. <laughs> it's Seriously. all the things. I know. So I am so pumped because you just, I am so, I so admire what you do, girl. Um, will you just share a little bit about who you are and what you do for everyone listening so they are exposed to the amazing world of Brittany <laughs> Moses? <laughs> sure. 
Um, so my name is Brittany Moses, <laughs> and um, I'm born and raised in L.A. Mm -hmm. So I mostly talk about the intersection of faith and mental health, mm. um, just that intersectionality because – for a couple reasons. One, I was born and raised in the church, was a church kid, you know, and I had served and volunteered in ministry for so many years. Mm -hmm. And one of the things I saw time and time again were people who, you know, came to Christ, came to church, were born again, but were still trapped by their hurts, mm -hmm. habits, and hangups, still blockaded mentally from fully showing up yeah. for their lives and who God called them to be. And then also I had my own struggles uh, with anxiety and depression episodes that were very debilitating yeah. and dealing with the whole stigma of, you know, I should be free, you know, mm. I should not have the spirit of fear or depression because I'm a believer and mm. just learning how to navigate the human experience as a believer and what is perfectly human mm. um, that, you know, we can get help for practically. Yeah. So that's something I'm passionate about. I went back to school for clinical psychology so, so that awesome. I can continue to bring this message to the public, but also to the body more specifically, because it's a subculture that has its own set of uh, stigmas when it comes yeah. to mental health. And so that's what that's what I've mainly been been doing for anybody who has ears to to listen and follow my crazy, <laughs> my <laughs> crazy amazingness. journey. <laughs> yes. It's so good. I love it. Just all of your encouragement is so rich. And Thank this you. is a topic that I love just combining mental health and all with Christianity, because sometimes we're like, yes, I'll just say this Bible verse and immediately I'm better. And right. it's not exactly like that. Like you just said, you know, there's still, but then we're still stuck in depression or anxiety or even as that relates to dating. And we're like, well, yep. but why? Shouldn't I just be done with these things? And it doesn't right. really exactly work that way when it comes to our brain. Uh, okay. So I'm so excited because we're going to kind of dive into something today, especially that I think so many people deal with, which is just triggers in relationship, dating anxiety. You and I have both talked at length about mm -hmm. how we've both been infected by those things. Um, mm -hmm. And <laughs> most people are actually. Yeah. Um, so will you just share a little with us even today about your personal background in dating, relationships, all of that? Yeah, it's so funny because dating is not something that I, I talk a whole lot about. Mm -hmm. And so I have Most to say, people, girl. <laughs> I know. So mm -hmm. I have to say this is very vulnerable for me. And yeah. you know, I, I think for me, when I look back on my dating experience, I think it starts as early as like grade school mm. and, and maybe middle school where I remember that being the age where the girls really like the boys, boys like the girls. And I was kind of invisible, mm. <laughs> you know, and um, I just – at least to my knowledge, a lot of guys necessar didn't necessarily – like me or mm. have a crush on me. I felt maybe a little bit overlooked mm. while I wish I could go back and tell my younger self, those things don't matter. Right. You know, yeah. at the time though, we still have love and belonging needs mm -hmm. and you notice it and you know, it's like, is, is something wrong with me? Yeah, totally. <laughs> something wrong with me. And that gets ingrained from such a young age. Isn't those that kinds crazy? of thoughts and lies. Yeah. Just looking back on it. Mm -hmm. And then high school came and, you know, you develop more and the guys are, I don't know, more into the girls and whatnot. And mm. I got a lot of attention mm. from guys. And it was like, what is this? Like, like oh, oh, I'm seen. I'm seen. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know? What's going on? Uh, and I just had a lot of little random dating relationships mm. throughout high school yeah. that were just these short-term dating on and off, thinking every single guy was the one, mm. just reacting to attention. Yeah. And, you know, again, wish I could tell my younger self, like, guys will always be there. <laughs> Chill. Relax. <laughs> you know, it's going to be okay. Yeah. Um, not every guy is the one. Mm -hmm. um, and then <laughs> – and then once I hit around 16, 17, that is when I was going through a lot of things at home mm. and dealing with a lot of rejection, abandonment, disappointment, mm. just in probably one of the most broken places, yeah. just because at that age, you don't have the, I want to say, maturity mentally to cope through those things or to reason through those things healthily. You automatically react to your environment as a mm. reflection of yourself yeah. and your lack of yeah. worth, value, whatever it is, even if you don't 
say it or think it. You internalize it. That's so true. Yeah. Yeah. And that's when I ran into this relationship with my ex Mm. of seven years. Mm. And he was a mess, to say the least. I was a mess. We were both a mess. Yeah. And I totally went into the savior syndrome of, Mm. you know, there's so much potential here. I could fix him. When really I think I was projecting because I needed help and I needed fixing and I projected that I think through him and Mm. this relationship. And so I spent seven years in that and that is also where – um, that's also how my son came forth <laughs> at a young age. Yeah, He's yeah. the best part of my life. Yeah. And even in spite of all that transpired around that relationship, one of the, th- what happened was I, after having my son, that's around the time I came back to mm. Christ. I came back to the faith, was born again mm. and fell into this, I want to say kind of fell into this trap of, okay, now I need to make things right. Yeah. And I got a lot of advice, even um, just some kind of traditional advice from those around me, like you need to make this right. So in my mind, I we needed to get married. Mm. You know, we had a son together. Yeah. We were uh, living together at the time. Mm. And so it's like, we need to make this right. We can't be, you know, yeah. cohabitating and all these things. Yeah. So we got married, which again, I would tell my younger self just because – you had this situation doesn't mean you have, you to, have do to get it. married. Yes. Doesn't mean that's the next step. Yeah. But in my mind it was. And so I went through a very tumultuous marriage very mm. young um, where I experienced a lot of uh, just uh, betrayal, mm-hmm. a lot of unfaithfulness, a lot of um, codependency because there was addictions involved yeah. uh, that I had to deal with. And again, just being in the mindset of saving, saving, saving this person, being if I if I can be everything that this person needs mm. me to be and just structure myself around them and put them in the right environments and settings. Again, just that control and manipulation yeah. that comes with codependency mm. where I'm enabling and there's that whole cycle um, of them depending. Cycle. It's yeah. a tough cycle. And you put your value in it. Put your value in it. Like, oh, well, now I'm helping them and now mm-hmm. their success indicates my worth in some weird fashion, right? right? <laughs> yeah. Exactly. And oh, But at the same time, while experiencing, experiencing all those things, in the back of my mind questioning, like, am I worth anything mm-hmm. more than this? Mm-hmm. Um, the treatment and everything that I was getting. Long story short, mm, <laughs> that hit the fan. Mm. And, um, you know, he was not ready for that life. We were very young. Yeah. You know, and I, I can say that we didn't come together for all the right reasons. Yeah. You know, but it was definitely a learning lessons. I, mm. I went through divorce very young because yeah. we'd gotten yeah. married as early as 20, 21 years old. And it's not something I talk a whole lot about because yeah. he's still my son's father. Yeah. But um, yes, went through mm. all of that toxicity, <laughs> Gosh, so learned much, yeah. a lot, yeah. grew a lot through that, spent a lot of time mm. making the decision to be single for a while mm. because I needed to learn myself again and what I was worth and what God had for me and what God wanted for me because I was, again, in this relationship from 16, 17 years old for like, you know, seven years. So that was all I knew. I never got to know myself and Mm. what a healthy relationship looked like and Mm. um, all of these things. So... I, that's why I think single time is such a blessing. Yeah. Because it really gives you that chance to start over, do that self work, hmm. get yourself back on a solid foundation before you jump back in. So yes. to speak. I always say like if you don't love you, how else is someone else going to love you? Right. Uh, because it's such a vital part. And, you know, this quote from Perks of Being a Wallflower that we accept the love we think we deserve. Mm. So if we don't truly love ourselves or know what that is, if we're not taking care of ourselves, we're going to accept something that's so not the best for us. That's true. Which is why that journey, even after your divorce, like that's such an important pivotal time. Even when I encourage people through heartbreak Mm -hmm. and rejection, like take that time to reclaim your identity. Um, Because 
Otherwise, you're going to jump back into something to fill a void. You're going to go back into codependency, all of those things. You're going to have a lot of dating anxiety, speaking of. And yeah, you're going to find yourself in another mess and then yet again have to pick up the pieces from another most likely heartbreak or worse, get married and realize, oh my gosh, I made this huge mistake, you yes. know? And it's a cycle yes. of just reacting mm-hmm. from relationship to relationship. Exactly. And it's not this choice of, you know, I'm choosing this relationship, being in a healthy mm-hmm. place, you know, after having reclaimed my identity. It's more of like I'm reacting right. to the attention that I'm yeah. getting yeah. that I didn't have before or as I'm going through this very vulnerable process. Mm. And so it's so important to rebuild. So important to rebuild. To so girl, thank you for sharing all of that. It's mm-hmm. incredible. It's so powerful. I'm just going to say it like you, like even just sharing that now, I'm, I know that there's people that can relate to if not a lot of your story, parts of your story, I can relate to parts of your story too. I love that about our friendship. Um, and so I can imagine through this process of just dealing with so many different things between codependency, betrayal, addiction, just so many different things, um, entering back into dating, there can, there's probably a level of dating anxiety. Um, so I kind of want to talk about that because anybody who's been through anything in their life, a trauma or a bad relationship, or doesn't even have to be a bad dating relationship. It could just be, you know, abandonment from a family member or something. Uh, most, you know, most likely experiences some sort of dating anxiety. So can we just talk about a little bit, like, what does that mean? And, and where does it come from? Yeah. Dating anxiety is real. it's real the struggle is real and I think like it's I really it's part of it's very human Mm -hmm. because especially when you're starting a relationship or you're going into something new there's so many unknown factors involved there's so many unknowns you don't know where it's going in the beginning you don't know really what exactly you are in the beginning and you don't know all the dynamics of this person that you're getting involved with. And so because there are so many unknowns, because you cannot control the situation Mm -hmm. or the outcome, there's this anxiety that comes with it. Mm -hmm. And anxiety really is a lot of times a fear of loss of control. (laughs) And love is one of those vulnerable things that uh, mm-hmm. in context of a human relationship, it's just one of those things that you cannot control. They have to naturally take shape and form and have to naturally evolve. Mm-hmm. And so we don't have control over that process. Mm-hmm. We want to know, like, so we can know exactly where to place our hearts. Yeah. Um, but that is just the beauty and the, uh, you know, the vulnerability yes. of going through it. So with relationship anxiety, it's a lot of times there's just a a fear of the unknown mm-hmm. with this person, not knowing where you stand, not knowing where it's going, not knowing how much of your heart to give to the situation. And so you're kind of doing this dance around the stages of yes. the relationship, <laughs> you know. And like, where am I at? Yes. Why didn't you text me? Right. <laughs> or this fear of like do I like them more than they like me? Yeah. Am I getting ahead of them? Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, all of that. Because naturally, we want to guard our hearts. Naturally, we don't want to get hurt. Mm-hmm. That's just self-preservation, human instinct. Yeah. You know, so the first thing I want to say about dating anxiety is it is not a shameful thing. And anyone mm-hmm. who's experiencing it, it is not because something is wrong with you. Yeah. That is just a natural human process of stepping into something unknown. Yeah. There's a slight vulnerability and the fear Mm. of the unknown that you have to step through. Mm. But as far as where it comes from, so in the psych world, we have something called a schema. Mm. And a schema is the mental or psychological framework in your mind. Mm. And it's shaped by your experience. It is how we make, it is how we make sense of the world. Mm. You know, for example, on a very simple, simple form of a schema, Think of a chair. Mm-hmm. You know, as a child, you grew up to learn the the framework of what a chair looks like, whether it's a computer chair or a high chair mm-hmm. or a chair at the table. You have a general framework of what a chair looks like, even if even in its different forms, because that is the schema that experience mm-hmm. has showed you. Yeah. Right. So it's basically the foundation of an idea. Mm-hmm. Now, getting more complicated, mm-hmm. you bring that 
you bring that into relationships. Well, we have a schema for relationships Mm. that we have developed. And for a lot of us, especially in this generation, we have come from divorce culture. We have seen a lot of relationships fail, whether it comes from our parents. We Mm. saw that their marriage didn't work out or Mm. we saw maybe unhealthy patterns in the relationship Mm. with our parents or even our own experiences of the relationships we went through where we experienced heartbreak, betrayal. And for for many of us, all we've experienced are failed relationships. Mm. And so that is the schema. That is the schema that we have for relationships, that we associate relationships with failure. Mm. And so what happens is we develop these core beliefs within ourselves, whether we've said it out loud or not, we've internalized relationships fail. Mm. And that is the schema that we are seeing relationships through, that they are bound to fail. So even though you don't mean to, you know, you get into these new relationships or you get into a new relationship and in the back of your mind, the core belief or the schema that's running is, you know, it's only so long before Mm -hmm. this relationship fails. It's only so long before this person betrays me. It's only so long before this person cheats Mm -hmm. on me. It's only so long before this person finds out who I really am and they are turned off by me and they Mm -hmm. leave because we've developed this schema for relationships and it's rampant Mm. among our our generation just because of what we've seen and and, and been through. Mm. Or, you know, just again, when it comes to our own worth, if we've believed these things that we are not worth love, we are not worth committing to, we are not worth a healthy relationship because we've experienced everything other than that. Yeah it's become a belief system. Mm. And so you have this real dating anxiety that is running in the background of your life because of these schemas and Mm. core beliefs that have taken root in your life. Mm. And unless you are proactively dealing with that and doing the work to gain a healthier, more balanced perspective on these things, which is hard work Mm. because you're undoing years of experience and what life has taught you, then it it continues running. And sometimes it creates self-sabotage. Yeah. And it ends up becoming a self-fulfilling prophecy where we push the person away and we put up all these walls Mm. because of it. Or we try to control them and then that doesn't work either. Yeah, All those things because the brain is an associative brain. Mm. Naturally, it associates, it, it associates our experiences, Mm. you know, and it's not a bad thing because it's, again, how we make sense of the world. That's the only way we can make sense of the world is by the experiences that we come in contact with. Mm. You learn not to touch a hot stove because maybe you burn yourself or you learn not to do this because you experience that. It's associative and it's built and structured that way for a reason, you know, including our survival. But you have these experiences that aren't life or death. Mm. <laughs> you know, it's not survival. Yeah. But we still associate the traumas and we still associate the mm. heartbreaks because it's life changing and it's pain and that gets encoded, mm. whether we realize it or not. Hey, friend, popping in here for a quick break in the episode today. I got a question for you Do you want some extra community and support during this time? Well, if you do, I want to encourage you to take your relationship with us to the next level and join what we're doing in our Heart of Dating community. You can join the party over on Instagram at at Heart of Dating, where we post helpful and encouraging content almost every single day. And we also love hearing from you in our private DMs, and we interact with just about every single DM that we get. Now, another way you can connect with us is to go to Facebook by visiting facebook.com forward slash Heart of Dating. You can like our Facebook page, check out what we're doing over there, and then you can even request to join our private Heart of Dating Facebook community. You can do that by going to the left-hand side of the Heart of Dating Facebook page, clicking groups, and selecting the private group and filling out a few questions to join. Now, there's one more thing that I want to share with you that's an incredibly helpful resource during this time. Right now, more than ever, we've been inundated with extreme changes, and it might be causing levels of confusion, grief, and even fear and anxiety within your life. 
I gotta speak for myself personally, and I know that I've been struggling with an abnormal amount of fear and anxiety in this season. So something that's really helped me at the moment has been being able to actually talk to someone who can truly help me sort through all the things I'm thinking and feeling. So for me, that looks like going to therapy. And specifically in this moment, I love going to Faithful Counseling. Faithful Counseling is a faith-based online therapy network that incorporates Christian principles, prayer, and spiritual practices. To find the therapist that's right for you and your needs, you just have to fill out a quick form and you'll get connected with the therapist in under 24 hours. You can log in to your Faithful Counseling account at any time. You can send a message to your counselor and you can also schedule weekly video or phone sessions and do it all virtually from the comfort of your home. Another thing that I love about Faithful Counseling is that financial aid is available. And not only that, it's pretty affordable already. So guys, if you've been looking to try out therapy, and especially right now, if you just are finding yourself really confused and needing to process some things, then I encourage you to consider trying out Faithful Counseling. And for Heart of Dating listeners, you get 10% off your first month by going to getfaithful.com forward slash heart of dating. That's getfaithful.com forward slash heart of dating. All right, guys, back to the episode. So you're talking about doing the work. What does some of doing the work look like for people to get out of dating? I mean, I'm sure it's like a lot, but what what would be some things to do the work? Yeah, I don't think there's – when it comes to doing the work and, and anxiety in general, I don't think there's this expectation of to have none at all, mm-hmm. right? Because that's not – human. Yeah. Right. That you're just not going to experience any fear at all. Right. Again, there are unknowns. So it's natural to experience some level of, okay, what am I, what am I getting myself into? You know, how much of my heart do I give? And so it's more so about working through it, I Mm. think, and creating a space for self-awareness. And whether that is, for me, it was like journaling, Mm. you know, or whether it is a therapist, Mm. which I highly recommend. Yes. (laughs) I highly recommend not going alone (laughs) and not using, Mm. because what happens when you don't have these spaces to work out the self-awareness part is you take it out in the relationship. You start expecting the other person's love to heal you and to fix Mm. you in the relationship to fix you. And you put the responsibility on the other person to uh, fix parts of you that only really is work that you and God can do, you know, so you really need to designate a space for that reflection. So for me, it was a really practical thing was just journaling Mm. and Sometimes I would – I'm such a nerd. I'm such a psych nerd, right? So I would create tables and columns in my journal. (laughs) (laughs) And it would be like, you know, this was the trigger. This is what I'm thinking. Like this is what my thought automatically – where my thoughts automatically went. Here are two alternative ways I can see this Mm. or – you know, this is how I want to respond, but Mm. this is how I choose to respond. Yeah. Things like that. So because you just, again, you just need a place to work through it because once you do that, I've just seen myself Mm. work through situations and triggers and anxieties so much more healthily because I allowed that space Mm. where I could dump (laughs) the issues Mm. and really work with it. It's kind of like what you're saying is like that self-regulation, like right. self-awareness and self-regulating like your mind, what's happening. Right. And you mentioned the word trigger. And I feel like I used to not even know what that word meant a few years ago. So I kind of want to break down like what is a trigger and like maybe some symptoms because I, I don't think I think in this process of self-awareness and self-regulation, we need to know what it is and what it might look like to know that we're even experiencing it. You know, because a lot of people say, well, that's just how I am or that's just how I react. I'm like, no, (laughs) that's coming from somewhere else. Right. (laughs) So that's not just a normal like, oh, we can just bypass that and be like, well, I'm always reactionary. That's just how I am. No, (laughs) you're experiencing that for a reason. Right. Yeah. So when I think about a trigger, it's really our brain and our body trying to protect us Mm. from a threat. 
Yeah. Um, it's trying to protect us from a threat. It's trying to protect us from pain. But sometimes that our, our brains are not associating the event or the person from a healthy perspective mm-hmm. or in the right context. So it's funny. I, I've spoken about this before, but there's this researcher that I love. His name is Joseph Ledeau. And what he found was that when it comes to the brain's emotional response, there is basically a neural pathway mm. that goes from the amygdala, which is our fear center mm. of our brain, that goes to the amygdala quicker mm. to alert our brains of a threat. Then it goes to our frontal lobes. The relay to our frontal lobes is is not as fast. Wow. And so our frontal lobes are responsible for the thinking and planning and judgment center. Wow, That's where we have better judgment and we Mm. reason through things, that's what that center is for. So just if you can think about it, we're being alerted to the fear center first, first, yeah, quicker than the reasoning center, which explains why we overreact when something triggers us. Like, how dare you? End of the world. He didn't text back. He hates me. Yeah. You know, oh my gosh, it's over. You know, and then we look back. I shouldn't have sent that extra emoji. (laughs) Sorry. Heart eyes too soon. He left me on red. Like, you know. He started the three, it started the ellipses and then it disappeared. Oh my goodness. It's the end. Right? Exactly. And we overreact. And mm-hmm. only to find that it wasn't that serious. Yeah, you know, exactly. And it, it's those frontal lobes. They shut down. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's so funny. I was telling Kate, I'm such a nerd. When I go through, <laughs> it's like my frontal lobes are down right now. My amygdala is being alerted. <laughs> my it's frontal okay. lobes are down, everybody. <laughs> Nobody fear. They will be back up and running shortly. <laughs> as strange as that Say sounds, that. like I've totally told myself that to reason the situation. Oh, my. Oh my gosh, I'm just gonna start saying that to guys. <laughs> I will get right back with you. My frontal lobes are down right now. Exactly. Please check back in 20 minutes. And it's called an emotional hijacking. So yes, I'm having an emotional hijacking. My frontal lobes are down, and my amygdala is being alerted. And so that's what a trigger is, really. Mm-hmm. You know, and once once the fear response is activated, you have the cortisol mm. that's coming, the stress hormones that are released. And yeah. speaking of symptoms and physical symptoms, sometimes your palms get sweaty, mm. your heart is racing, your thoughts are racing. You might yeah. even get sick to the stomach. That's yeah. what happens to me if I have anxiety. Mm. Because what happens is your body is preparing to fight or flight. Right. That's when you hear about the fight or flight response yeah, it's because so true. it's preparing you. So your body is preparing you to either defend yourself or to run in Mm. the presence of a threat. And what's funny is in all the other species, like like animals and whatnot, they use this for survival. Mm. That is the purpose of that whole symptom, you know, to respond from predators and whatnot. We are the only species where we use it for social situations. (laughs) They're like about to die. They're about to die. And that makes sense. But we are not about to die and we use it as if we are. We go to 100. Wow. It's like we feel like we're about to die. But it's not. They're just social situations. um, And we really do inflect this level of stress on on ourselves. Mm. That's kind of, um, you know, it can be over-reactional, but it's real. Mm-hmm. It's real. It happens. And so, like I said, the brain is associative. So if you've had an experience before, just for an example, where say you were in a relationship and mm. the guy all of a sudden became more distant mm. and you sensed there was some distance there and he wasn't really responding the way that he does or as quickly yeah. as he did. And eventually that led to a breakup. Mm. You know what I mean? Or you were in a relationship where a guy had a, I don't know, like a female friend mm. and eventually you found out that there was something more going on. Right. You know, yeah. when you broke up, right? Yeah. So so your brain has associated mm. these experiences. Wow. Just subconsciously, you know. And so then the next time you go into a relationship and the guy starts getting distant or he feels distance, mm. you're automatically like, he's going to break up with me. Yes. It's and over. you're like putting up your armor you're or like, you're like yeah. putting on your audition gown. You're like, okay, here we go. Here I got to perform. Showtime. Yeah. <laughs> showtime. <laughs> you know, uh, you know, or you distance yourself. Yeah. Because you're yeah. like, and now you're both distant. That's right. a whole other story. But, or then you're in a new relationship where you're with a guy who has a female friend mm-hmm. and it's totally healthy. It's totally fine. But because of your last relationship where it was something else, and you know, you're associating it like... <laughs> Hmm. 
I'm, I'm threat. I feel threatened yeah. by this friendship. You're not speaking things that have actually happened to me at all, Brittany. That's all. No. <laughs> I know nothing about this. So. Uh, you know, because your brain associated those previous experiences. Mm-hmm. So you could technically have experiences that look the same, but yeah. they are not the same. Mm. But your brain has already associated those. So you're triggered, mm. right? You're triggered and your brain is trying to protect you. Yeah. So then you experience those symptoms. And communication is just so key. Yeah. As someone who is uh, currently in a relationship and has gone through, mm-hmm. you know, traumas. And I kind of told you guys my story earlier yeah. where there was unfaithfulness and yeah. there was uh, abandonment and a mm-hmm. lot of lying and mm-hmm. all of that. Um, you know, to enter a new relationship from a healthy place, it took a lot of time before entering the relationship to work through what are the associations that I've made? What are the triggers that I have? And is this real mm-hmm. or is this imagined? Yeah. And then learning to communicate in ongoing relationships. Okay. What, what is going on mm, in this situation? Right. You know, not being, just not being afraid to ask because right. what you find is if it truly is a great and healthy relationship where that is not the situation, mm-hmm. that is not the context, maybe he didn't respond back and he seems distant because he's been stressed or mm. he's been busy all day. Busy. Or busy. The boy is busy. The boy is busy. <laughs> all right. You know, he's yeah. been busy or he's needing some time to himself and that's why. It's not because he's going to break up with you. Yeah. You realize, oh, you know, yeah. it wasn't as bad right. as I, but you have these triggers from and past And you downward spiral and you make oh assumptions. Well, because what you're saying and something I've learned, and this was hugely pivotal for me, is basically the stories and assumptions that we yeah. create in our mind about things. And to your point, they're usually about things we've experienced and those associations. But so we start making these stories and assumptions. And what I heard once from somebody else was that basically 97% of the stories and assumptions we're believing are actually false. Right. Or the version, the full version we're believing is false. Maybe some version of it might be true, but what we're actually truly, so that's like huge. When I heard that, I was like, whoa, 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 because I'm like, I'm, I have a lot of intuition. I know things. Um, I trust my gut. I, yeah. <laughs> my gut is always right. It's always right. So I know that you're talking to that girl and it's something more. <laughs> and the guy's like, no girl, <laughs> no. But what I realized is like, okay, in the communication piece, like this is just mm-hmm. something I've learned to practice is also just not attacking them and assuming that it's true, which is really important to recognize this is the story that I am believing. So how can I frame it to them by saying, hey, so I'm kind of creating this story in my own mind and this happened or you said this and I started to feel, I started to feel this way mm-hmm. and I have no idea if this is actually true or if it's just something I'm believing, but I just wanted to bring it to your attention um, and see, you know, what's really going on here. Right. Perfect. <laughs> and it's, you know, you're, you're owning it Yes, and you're using I statements Yep. and then if they are a great and just loving and genuinely caring person toward mm-hmm. you. I mean, there's no reason yeah. for them to not just be like, oh no, you know, it's, yeah. this is what's going on, you know, and if they really do care about you, like they'll explain it, yes. you know, and then it just, it really re- reduces all that fear. Exactly. And it's so much better than just being like, you're talking to this girl. I'm just using that situation. You're you're talking to this girl and I know something is happening. Like you're immediately criticizing them or right. you're attacking them and then they go on the defense and then there's no healthy conversation. Even they could possibly be, you know, totally innocent, but you're not going to have any sort of healthy communication it won't be if you approach it that way. And speaking of being practical, so mm-hmm. knowing that we have these triggers, first of all, I think knowing is the first step. Yeah. Knowing what your triggers are. Mm-hmm. You know, I would even write down the events or people that trigger me. Like mm-hmm. I would write it down in my journal just yes. to create an awareness because once you even just create that space of awareness, now you can actually do something about it. Right. If that awareness is not there, then you're just reacting. Mm-hmm. But if you can actually write down, I noticed like yes. this event triggers me or when this happens, this triggers mm-hmm. me, you know, and um, develop that awareness now you can actually proactively start to de-escalate. Right. So again, we know that the frontal lobes are down <laughs> and the <laughs> fear response is activated. So something that I always say is, you know, try to give it 24 hours mm. 
because what I have found a lot of times is once the emotional response has subsided mm. and my my thinking has kind of come back, my frontal lobes are back up and running, <laughs> yeah. uh, then I'm assessing the situation from a healthier place, mm. uh, you know, giving it 24 to 48 hours yeah. before you jump in. Mm, that's know, so good. Before you do anything. Yeah. Like a lot of times I'm just like, don't react right now. Mm-hmm. If it doesn't bother me, in 24 to 48 hours, mm-hmm. then it was just me, most yeah. likely. But if yeah. it is something that throughout the relationship and throughout the dating time that you're mm-hmm. together that you notice it's reoccurring and it's really, really triggering you, yeah. then I think two things. One, like you probably should talk to the person that you're with mm-hmm. about it. And two, you should really start working through those things if it's a reoccurring trigger because yeah. there's obviously something more there. There's obviously an association that you're either making with the past or it's something that genuinely needs to be worked out in the relationship that you need to get on the same page about. And I think that relationship anxiety reduces the more communication you have with one another and the more you're in tune with yourself. That's really how, at least for me, you can kind of move through relationship anxiety from a healthy place. Mm, That's so good. And also like something you're saying too Because there's obviously various levels of triggers and something I find that can be the most hard to work through is when you have been betrayed or gone through a deep, deep trauma, like a a sexual trauma or a physical abuse trauma, or again, like someone, you know, betrayal trauma. But so those are things that are, I mean, I'll just say it right now, they're probably going to come up again for you. Um, I know for me, I've been through all of those things and they do come up again. And But in the past, I didn't have the language or the ability to recognize it. And now through time, through therapy, through through honestly practicing dating and realizing, oh, this is coming up again. Okay, this is coming from this place, like practicing this own curiosity within myself to say, oh, this is where it's coming from. It's not because this person is necessarily going to do that to me, you know, right. But I, I just find like, it's okay to have grace with yourself knowing that these things might come up again. But what do you also think for a partner who's on the other side of it, I guess, like, Mm. if you're with someone who has been through a lot of those kinds of traumas in the past, like, how do you have the patience, I guess, or what is that process look like? Yeah, I think that as a other person, you do need to have like that space for grace as well Mm -hmm. and understanding what it is that they're working through and also encouraging their healing process, Mm -hmm. but not taking on their healing process because that is where codependency comes in. Yes. You know, but saying, you know, hey, I know that you're working through this. Uh, You know, how can I, how can I be there for you? So I think that one, being understanding obviously goes along, mm-hmm. going a long way of understanding mm-hmm. what they're going through and, you know, talking through it with them, having that grace, mm-hmm. again, supporting but not taking on, mm-hmm. taking on the responsibility of their healing and even providing encouragement. Yeah. You know, say you guys do work through something mm-hmm. and there was a trigger and they were activated and, you guys happen to work through it and de-escalate down and just providing positive feedback that's just like, man, you know, I'm really proud of mm. like the way that we're working through this now or I'm really proud of you for, mm. you know, I know how hard this is for you. Yeah. You know, I know how hard these triggers are for you and and what you're going through, but I can see that you're growing a lot and I really appreciate the work that you're putting mm. in. And I just am a big believer of uh, positive feedback and positive encouragement. So good. When it positive reinforcement, so yeah. to speak, when it comes to relationships and when the other person is deeply, deeply working through some tough stuff. Yeah. And maybe even checking in with them and asking like, hey, you know, do you want to talk about this? Mm. Or, you know, is there someone – I'm trying to think how I want to say this. Like, do you need to – I'm like trying to say this gracefully. Like, do you need to see a therapist again? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> Not saying that. Um, but a version of it. But like, you know, encouraging them that you're with them. You don't judge them. Exactly. And that you just want to see them be able to conquer this. And Yeah. But like I think what you're saying in the codependency is huge because right. um, if they're – you can't take it upon yourself to feel the weight of – 
their issue on you right. because then it becomes your issue as well. You exactly. Know? And then there's codependency exactly. where they're depending on you to fix them and you live through your relationship of being a savior to them and mm. then you begin the cycle of codependency. So anytime there yeah. is a relationship where one person is just struggling with something really heavily and you're the other one, which we're not, you know, on the other side, you're not perfect. Yeah. Either you still have your set of things that you need to work through so you can still provide a level of empathy of I'm with you like yes. I have these struggles that's these huge type of empathy. struggles too yes. mm-hmm. so I'm with you I hear you you know mm-hmm. and let's and I think it's so great to kind of set a standard in the relationship with one another where it's like you know what I want this to be a relationship where we are growing together and we're yeah. continue to work on ourselves as we bring ourselves to the table as we show up to this relationship together mm. and encouraging one another in your growth journey. Mm. I think just having that culture in your relationship as well is very supportive Yes, as someone is working through the traumas and, and whatnot. Yeah. I love that. Because too often it's like you can then separate yourself so much. You're like, no, like, you know, and you need to provide some level of comfort, encouragement, empathy. There's like that balance where it's not codependent, but you still that's important to provide that reinforcement. Um, I think that I've talked to so many people that uh, one thing that I think is so clear that we're saying is. Overall, like take radical ownership of the things you've been through and know that it can get better and you are in response. You are in charge of your own healing. You're in charge of your own mind and you can fix these things, but you have to understand like being in a relationship is not going to fix that. That person isn't going to make it all of a sudden better. If you're noticing the trigger, then you have to do the work and take ownership of like, okay, this is something that's happening to me because of this. I need to continue working through that. And thank you for having the grace for me as I work through this. Right. And that's kind of the thing about relationships. I always say relationships are a mirror because (laughs) when you're single Mm -hmm. and you're not with someone, you can kind of suppress these things, you know, or you can kind of just uh, dismiss these things and and Mm -hmm. repress them Uh, there, you know, but when you're in a relationship with someone, they uh, begin to really reflect what's going on with you because now you're doing life with someone. And so if anything, a relationship kind of pulls these things out more. Right. You know, and and there is It brings the, it to surface. You're like, oh, shoot. To, yes. I never had to talk about that before, but now right. I do. But now I do because it's affecting another person because mm-hmm. there's another person involved. There's yeah. a, there's accountability now because like what, who, what I'm doing and what I'm reacting to and whatnot, it, it's being reflected out in this relationship mm-hmm. because there, there is that other person involved now. So, you know, it's really, yeah. really, that's why I really do mm-hmm. believe in the beauty of relationships. And a lot of times people will think, you know, I should not be in or start a relationship until I've completely dealt with all these issues. Right. right? And yes, you should work to get to a healthier place, you Mm -hmm. know, when entering a relationship, you want to make sure that you're entering it for all the right reasons, quote unquote, Yeah, yeah. (laughs) you know, but understand that you're always going to have Mm -hmm. some issues that you have to deal with, whether you're in a relationship or not. And understand that when you get into a relationship, if you get into a relationship, there is a potential that these things will come out Mm -hmm. and they will expose themselves because you are doing life with this person now who is now going to be reflecting Mm -hmm. back off of you what you're dealing with and understand that that is not a reason to shy away. Mm. That is not a reason to give up on love. That is not a reason to run. That is just another reason to say, wow, like I have some work to do Mm -hmm. and doing the work that you need to do through this relationship, especially if you've struggled with traumas and abuse, uh, having again, that other space, that other designated space Mm. to work through these things while you're in the relationship so that you're not putting it all on the other person or so that there doesn't grow this codependency. So Mm. whether it be having a therapist, which I highly recommend where you can work through these triggers and, and schemas Mm. and core beliefs with, as you're moving through this relationship or that journaling process, Mm. I think a lot of us, when something comes up, we automatically go, 
oh my gosh, something's wrong with, you know, yep. something's wrong with us I'm running. This isn't working. And it's this like, no, too it's, it's going to be, yep. you're going to have to learn how to work through mm-hmm. and move through that with vulnerability, yeah. with growing through the, growing with this person. And it's hard, mm. but it is a part of the work. And that is, I mean, that's a gospel message. Yeah. And that's why it's so beautiful. It's a sanctification process. It is sanctification. And I always share with people too, because I have quite the history too, of just all the, you know, abuse and, um, various relationship things and affirmations and just situations. And, um, I realize, and I have, I have to realize like, Hey, my dating story isn't going to be this picture. Perfect. Like we met, we locked eyes, we knew, and we didn't have any issues. You know, you hear stories of people who have little conflict or very little, problems. And I'm like, that's beautiful for those people. But I have to recognize that that's probably not exactly going to be my story because my story is pretty traumatic. And it's, there's broken parts of the story that I know will just come back to surface. I'm not afraid of those parts. It's just, okay, I'm ready to attack them, but I know that they'll probably come back up. And so I know that there'll be relationship work that has to be done both on my end and with that other person. And so I know that those conversations, I know it'll be just a little trickier. And so I try to tell people like your relationship may not look like that perfect couple that just, they just probably didn't go through those things when they were younger. They just probably went through less things and that's okay. Mm-hmm. Um, but stop comparing your relationship and how much work you're having to put into this to other people who just want, have a totally different background and story. Right. And I think you having that level of of awareness is going to work in your favor, Mm -hmm. knowing that you're going into it realistically, knowing, like you said, okay, I I probably am going to hit some walls. Mm -hmm. I probably am going to have some triggers. Just having that foreknowledge and being real with yourself is great because then when you do get into it, it's like, you know what? I knew this was coming. Yeah. And I am prepared. (laughs) I mean, are we ever really prepared? But, you know, but I... As prepared as we can be. As I can be. I'm I'm more prepared than I would have been had I not been in reality of the fact that, especially if there's heavy traumas, you know, you're going to have to... And honestly, we might have to work through some of these things the rest of our lives as part of the human experience. But the hope is that as we work through these things, with each overcoming, Mm. we get you know, we become more resilient and we're quicker to put in those coping skills or we're quicker to recognize it Mm -hmm. because over time we've, we've, uh, we've worked through it over Mm -hmm. and over again. So it's not that we're immune from it, but it's that we have learned how to, how to overcome and how to work through these things more efficiently. Like you're creating new neural pathways. You're sharpening the tools yes, to be able to like, hello, brain talk. Hello, neuroplasticity. Yes, but you're recreating it. And that's the beautiful part of neuroplasticity yes. that our brain, we can change the pathways of our brain. So by doing it over and over and, yes. you know, it takes 20 through 21 days to make a new long-term memory. I'm just totally quoting Dr. Caroline Leaf right now (laughs) and 63 days to create a new habit. So, but like, that's very consistent. You have to do that. It doesn't mean, and even in the future, if something comes back up, that toxic thought, that whatever, it's not to say, Oh, I've completely failed. It's like, no, I actually, I'm noticing it's there, but now I have way better tools and it doesn't have to take me down now. Right. It's like funny because I talk about mental health a lot and people are like, so tell us, when did you overcome mental health? I'm like, excuse me, (laughs) I'm still human. Like I'm I still have triggers. <laughs> I still like all of that is still existing, yes. but now I have more tools in my tool belt to deal with it. That mm-hmm. is the difference. You know, yes. I still experience all of it. I just recognize it better. And when it happens, I I know how to respond better and which tools to pull out for it. Right. But like you were saying, like there is neuroplasticity. So mm-hmm. the brain is like a muscle. You can think of it as a muscle. And the more that you practice a certain thought pattern or mm-hmm. the more that you practice a certain response, the more you you strengthen those mm-hmm. neural pathways that are responsible yeah. for that response. Right. And as but if we practice a new way of thinking, and this is where I love where scripture meets science, where it talks about renewing our minds right. and renewing our thoughts and attitudes. You know, a lot of times we see that and it's just like how? Yeah. But yeah. how do you renew your mind? Like yeah. literally. Yeah. You know, we can just do say we just it. Will like, it oh, into existence? Yes, God, I take every thought captive. Did, but like 
you can't just say that. Yeah. You have, there's an but action behind it. Yeah. Faith, plus, faith without works is dead. Yeah. And so you look at the science behind renewing your mind and it's true. The more that you kind of do that shift where you mm. practice a new way of thinking and you practice uh, that new thought response mm-hmm. where in that moment where you have that trigger and you pause and you think about it. And then you reassess the situation, you work through it, and then you shift to a different way that you're going to see the situation. You do that over and over again. Mm-hmm. Now you are, you really are like shaping your brain right. to uh, respond differently and to kind of maybe lessen that hyperactivity and whatnot. And so there is, you are able to change yes. the chemistry of your brain. Which and I so think that's cool. so cool. It is so cool. It's kind of, it's something that we, you know, neuroscience and psychologists just didn't know for years. And yeah. now that we are in an age of technology, we have brain imaging and all these things, we can see yes. that this can happen. And so... There's so much empowerment in that, that we have more control than we sometimes believe. We're like, we right. think we're powerless. I'm like, no, we actually have a lot of power. Um, yes. If you're in stinking thinking, it's because you're choosing to be in it. And so let's get out of stinking thinking. Right. <laughs> and if it's too much for you yourself to overcome like because sometimes mm-hmm. I know you're in such a pit yeah where it's just like no amount of your own willpower is yeah. gonna get you out of that mm-hmm. that's where it's so important to have that support system right and those people who know this this is key those mm-hmm. you need to have friends or at least two or three people who know yeah. what your triggers are right who know what you're struggling with and who Thank know you. your yeah. automatic responses so that when you can't pull yourself out mm-hmm. they can pull you out so and good. you can just be like, I, it's so funny. I, I have my designated crazy friends. That's what I call them. It's like my friends who can handle my crazy. Oh, my God. Who, or my friends who know my crazy. Yes. Right? Oh, I have the same. You know, Probably more I than two or told three. You, but we like, we yes. talked about it. It's yes. like this is – and it's like this is what we're practicing today, you know, with each other via text, you know, because we know each other's where, are, where we go. You need to have those friends who know where you go, whether it's your therapist or it is, you know, a couple friends. Have people – who yes. are aware. This is just accountability. Again, you know, two are better than one. <laughs> three what a three stranded cord cannot be broken. <laughs> you know, it all applies. And and so working through it with a friend mm-hmm. that you trust. Yeah. Not everybody. Yes. You cannot take this to everybody because no. some people will feed your fears. Oh, yeah. Like, oh, girl, I can't believe this. He did yeah. what? Oh, no, he's definitely – you don't yes. need that friend. Oh, no, 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 exactly. You don't need that friend <laughs> at all. The one that goes, okay, let's think about this. What is What has been true of his character up to this point? Yes. Based on Thank what you, you said, you know, it seems like he would respond fine. It's, you know, just try – you know, asking this, is this you or is this Do you think that this could be coming from this or in someone who knows those things who who can help to redirect you? Like what I'd say is like we are often, we have blind spots, especially when we're so close to something. We're like, it's right in front of my face. So like the other people are around and they're like observing from afar and you can see a lot more from afar sometimes than if you're up close and personal Um, because you're looking at all the elements and versus me being right next to that person, I'm not looking at the elements right? um, because I'm like in it right there exactly and it's so important to have that because it it's like oh you're right okay and they know this about me and they know this is like a frequent reaction of mine or a frequent you know whatever and so they're gonna they can help me redirect in a loving way but sometimes it's that hard truth and we need that it's so vital right and I (laughs) I do think it is the minimal amount of people when I say this because I I do I'm of the belief system that like Everybody and their mama doesn't need to be in your relationship. No, no. too (laughs) many voices get confusing. Don't need that. And it's not about, um, again, this is not about going to that trusted friend and like, you know, ranting about Mm -hmm. the other person. You know, I think it's more about dealing with your stuff. Like, this is what I'm struggling with uh, right now. These are my triggers. And that be coming from that light. It's so helpful. When I bring that to people, I'm like, okay, so he did this and it made me feel this way, but I feel like I might be reacting 
because of this, help me, can you help me like work through this? Right. Or just listen and, you know, you know me, so tell me what you think or my old tendencies. And it's so helpful. We're not here, even after a breakup, I'm like, don't just sit there and dodge on your ex because it's not about that. That's not productive to anybody. You don't just need to like be gossiping about the person or putting them down so much to make yourself feel better. It is not productive at all. Mm -hmm. And that just contributes to that bad neural pathway of like just toxicity towards that person and resentment and so many things, blah, blah, blah. Um, (laughs) Girl, we could go on and on on this. I know. Um, This is so helpful, though. I think that people are just going to be so encouraged and think, oh, wow, okay, and empower that they can do the work. This is not like a simple process, but you can feel empowered that – you can get sharper tools that if you've been in a lot of trauma, if you've had a lot of trauma, if you've really responded to triggers, if you're constantly in dating anxiety, like it's okay. It's, that's normal. Both of us are admitting that we mm-hmm. have those struggles and we've had them a lot in the past and, but you can be empowered to like actually strengthen the tools that you have, put, you know, clean off the dust off those tools, sharpen them, make them better. And you can fight through this. And that's the thing you have, you really just have, have to be willing to do the work. Yes. And a lot of people honestly mm. don't want to do the work, Yeah. <laughs> but I have to say this, like if you want to have a healthier relationship, especially if you've experienced dysfunctional and painful relationships in the past and that has only been your experience up to this point, you do have the power to say, you know what? I am going to be in a healthy relationship. Mm. I choose to be healthy for a relationship. Mm. And, you know, all the work that you put in is going to just further develop like what you bring to the table in your next relationship. Exactly. And not only doing it for relationships, let me say. Like I'm not just Yeah. Not I'm getting healthy for him yeah. necessarily. It's but for or you. for her. Right. You know, but it is for you because you take you into the relationship and the relationship is made up of the two people who are in it. Mm. And so deciding like I'm going to do the work, you know, I'm going to, you know, see a therapist. I'm going to start journaling. I'm going to work through these triggers and find out where they come from mm-hmm. so that I know and I'm aware of when I need to bring out these tools. Yes. Right. So it's because it'll do the work. It'll happen even without uh, romantic relationships too. You need these tools for so many relationships. Okay. Good point. So girl, I always ask everyone the same final question. I feel like it could even be like, do the work, but what is your final nugget of dating advice for the heart of dating peeps today? That's great. (laughs) Um, based on today's conversation without sounding cheesy, like don't give up on love. No, like <laughs> I know, but but seriously, but actually, because yeah. if you have been through a lot of trauma and you've been through a lot of heartbreak and you have been through a lot of pain, like I was saying earlier, for a lot of us, if that's been our only experience, that's all we associate relationships with is mm-hmm. it's bound to fail, it's bound to hurt, they're bound to leave, you know. And so for some of us, for some of you, you may have shut down mm-hmm. and said, is love worth it? you know, is even worth pursuing. And, you know, and this is something that is for everybody else, this idea of love, dating, of marriage, it Mm. works for other people. That's something for everybody else. This healthy relationship idea happens to other people, but it doesn't happen to me. Mm. Like it's not for me, it seems. I just want to encourage you that you can take uh, charge over yeah. this. You can change the narrative mm. and it is for you. You are capable and worthy of a healthy relationship with godly love mm. and everything that God has for you, mm. regardless of what the core beliefs and lies and experience has told you, has taught you. Mm. There is our experiential truth and what reality has taught us, but then there is God's truth, yeah. which overrides all of the lies and experiences and kind of natural elements that we've experienced through our human experience. And God said it, you know, God, once God has ordained it, it doesn't matter. You know, the whole idea of your past doesn't define you. It just prepares you, you know, so you are capable and worthy of having a healthy relationship. I just encourage, you know, do the work on yourself. Like, like you said, mm. Kate, it's not just for dating and relationships that will play out into all of your other relationships. Mm-hmm. Learn to have a healthy love and relationship with yourself yes, because that does kind of set the foundation of the love that you mm. receive right, and the standard exactly. of love that you receive as well. 
And um, yeah, just know that your future can look different than your past. Yes. Amen. Oh my gosh. I'm just like sitting here like, thank you. I receive it. I receive it. I, yes. Amen. I receive it for myself. Yeah. I, I'm talking to myself. I'm <laughs> yeah. talking to everyone else. Yeah. Because we're all in it. We're, we're, we're all in we're, it. We're all in this together. together. Oh my gosh. I, I love it. Still. Oh, wow. I get it, girl. <laughs> so where can people connect to you and just follow along with what you're doing? Because it's amazing. Yes. Um, Instagram. I'm on Instagram. Yes. Brittany Moses. B-R-I-T-T-N-E-Y-M-O-S-E-S. And Moses is my last name. People, I love it. People have asked me, like, is, is that, that your really your last name? name or are you just really spiritual? <laughs> I'm like, nope. Uh, uh, I'm on, yeah, I'm on Facebook. I'm on Twitter. I'm on, oh, BrittanyAmoses.com is my website. And so Perfect. that's where I have all things faith and mental health. So cool. Which is really fun. Uh, I have a podcast, the Faith and Mental Wellness podcast. So good. I'm trying to get it as popping as Kate's podcast. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> I'm like, girl, it's I'm, awesome. I'm working on it. <laughs> I'm in school. Yes, we I'm pop it over here at Harvard. Trying to, <laughs> yeah. you know. With a lot of wealth of knowledge. <laughs> girl, we all are struggling. Let's I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, love it. I would love to, I seriously, I love making friends. So, I'd love to be your friend. Yeah. <laughs> be Brittany's friend. I'm so glad you're my friend. I know. <laughs> well, girl, thank you so much for sharing all this wisdom. I get so empowered and excited just sharing this kind of truth and knowledge with yeah. people. And so just thank you so much for sharing your wealth of knowledge, so much truth, and your heart with us today. Thanks for having me. Wow, wow, wow. How good was that, friends? I am so impressed by Brittany. She continually just brings so much truth and wisdom, and it's an honor to do life with her and be her friend. And studying brain, mental health, anxiety, all the things, all of it is so helpful and also super mind-blowing to me every time when I just learn more information about it. I love today when Brittany said, relationships are like a mirror. When you are single, you can suppress more, but a relationship will pull things out. And it's so true. Relationships will bring things to the surface, but that's not something for us to fear. Rather, it presents us with an incredible opportunity to grow even further and be more curious and understand ourselves and others and how to love others even more. Y'all, please go and connect with the amazing Brittany on Instagram at at Brittany Moses and also go follow her at Christian Mental Health. She's doing incredible things and I know she'd love to connect with y'all even further. I cannot be more thankful for your support of the Heart of Dating podcast. I am blown away by your rankings, reviews, messages, all of it. If you want to be a part of our inner circle and support what we are doing, we encourage you to pledge any dollar amount that you want on our Patreon page at patreon.com slash heartofdating. Also, if you like this podcast, would you please consider giving us a review? It helps us immensely and we cannot thank you more. Until next time, friends. This show is part of the Converge Podcast Network. 